An A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello. How are you doing? Good. In our new 14th of the month slot. Mm. Is that just so you can... Valentine's gift to our dear listeners. Yeah, it's so there's a Valentine's Day gift, yes, coming soon. But in March, it's also my birthday. So that's good. That works as well. So it's God a birthday Zilla. gift to 14th the world. 14th of March. Hmm. That's interesting. That was my mother's birthday. Oh, really? It was, yes. Gosh. Until, obviously, about ten yes, years Yes, until it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably still is. I mean, the way people do these things of happy birthday to it, they've been dead 20 years. What are you talking about? But anyway, yes, never mind. Um, yes. I see that online all the time. But anyway, sorry, Karen. No, no. So we've decided we're going to go monthly just because it's unclear... That I would be able to keep up with this ridiculous pace that we've had, <laughs> given possible work commitments, but they're not really. I think what we're basically saying is that yes. you, you got so busy with the last two because you've written books on it and then did all the interviews and everything like that. It actually consumed so much of your time. And then, hey, the world started offering you work again. Yeah, it was weird that happened, but yeah. So, Me, I'll just kick my heels until I'm, I'm woken up again and asked to say some words. And that's okay, great. good. But we're monthly from here on in, 14th of every month. Um, suck it up. <laughs> Unless, of course, all the lockdowns happen and nobody's got anything to do again, and then we'll, we'll, we'll maybe... No, that's the thing. My, my work's remote, so now, suddenly. Oh, right. That's what I've been after all this time, and I haven't mm. had a sausage for now. <laughs> See the Gosh. Going to the <laughs> yeah, already. So where are we going today, Martin? Perhaps you can well, reveal. Today, yes, we are going into the strange world of Ultraviolet, which is a vampire-based series that never mentions vampires. No, uh, code fives, code fives, code fives yes, which was made in the late nineties. It was about nineteen ninety-eight when it turned it up. Was. It was a six-part serial on Channel Four. One of those um, high-concept, um, slick dramas that uh, Ooh, occasionally, slick. occasionally pop up and are appealing to a certain demographic, and then vanish and kind of. I think it's. Not, I'm not saying it's a forgotten series, but it, it sort of made its impact at the time and then sort yeah. of disappeared. 
So, um, do you want to give a quick resume of what happened? Well, before we go on, I just want to talk nope. about you know, on Netflix. I've got Netflix now, Martin. Finally. Oh. How long oh. has it taken for me to get Netflix? Anyway, mm. I have Netflix and I'm amused by the three words that describe the series that you might watch on their promo screens. You know, that come oh, yes. So I was thinking, what would it be for um, Ultraviolet? And it would probably be dark. What else would it be? Um, intimate. <laughs> it's words that they use all the time. British. British. <laughs> no, I don't think... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I also liked on... I watched it on all four, and I liked there was warning. The warning for it was warning supernatural scenes. So, <laughs> so yeah, be Ooh. afraid. <laughs> spooky, spooky. No, so, Ultraviolet follows Detective Michael Colefield, played by Jack Davenport, um, as he investigates his best friend who's going to get married Sam's uh, <laughs> already starting to get hazy this is already in my head feeling like Alex doing a World Enough and Time synopsis <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, it turns out anyway this guy who's going to be the best man for the wedding is no less than a code 5 we can't say vampire no. um, and he ends up killing him shock <laughs> but not because he fancied his girlfriend, right? <laughs> no, no, we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, mm. He is then recruited by a team of people, and I can't remember what that, that unit is. Oh, they I was hoping for. you would remember. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't remember what <laughs> I they're keep, called. I've been, in my head, I've been calling them T Squad. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of a cool group who are underground, <laughs> and it's, I think they're kind of like the Church of the Latter day Saints, but not, it's something like that. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was something like Tea Branch or something. I, I was it? I, I can't. It was mentioned a couple of times, but I don't. Tea, it's not tea like bag in the tea bag in the tea set. Hey, no? it's Torchwood. <laughs> um. Anyway, they recruit him and they they let him in on all the Code Five stuff, otherwise known as leeches, not vampires. Um. <laughs> that that wasn't an impression of Sorvix either. Vampires. <laughs> and. Sorry, I, that, no, I'll, I'll cut that. that was... <laughs> I just, it's just. You... <laughs> anyway, it's, no, it's just that you have this, I have this vision of you now having to explain what a cervix is <laughs> I know, exactly. to the listeners. Not, not a cervix, a cervix, <laughs> and why it's whispering. <laughs> your your whispering cervix. The whispering cervix. That's a good name for a play, isn't it? The Whispering yeah. Cervix. I feel it's a, it's a John Peel band name, quite frankly. Uh, I think that was the right speed. It's uh, Whispering Cervix. So anyway, they, they're they all a gang now, and not at all like Scooby-Doo, investigating no. the Code Fives in different, in different settings. Mm. Um, so there's a father and son scenario. <laughs> that sounds wrong as well now, suddenly in my dirty head. Um, there's a woman who's pregnant or is she pregnant mm. phantom pregnancy then there's quite a disturbing paedophilia storyline at a school mm-hmm. and then it really ratchets up towards the end last two episodes we have a person arriving in this country with bites all over their body and mm. why 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 mm. and why does he have synthetic blood inside of him why mm. why um and finally we have the wonderfully creepy corin redrave turning up um in a coffin no less not a vampire. No silly teeth. No one turns into a bat. And, <laughs> oh, and it turns they? out and it turns out the vampires have a plan. Spoiler alert. 
They're mm. after a nuclear winter and they want everyone to die so that mm. they can take over, or at least be subdued for a bit so they can take over because they haven't quite got the synthetic blood thing worked out. Although they will have if they manage to bring back Angela March's dead husband to life mm. who was a vampire. And it's currently being stored in one of those rather lovely canisters mm. in the gang's hideout. Mm. Thrills ensue. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you chose this, so I think you should kick off. Well, I chose it because it begins with the letter U and I had it on the shelf. But it's it's an interesting... I love how you're, you're distancing yourself from well, it immediately. No, it, what, it, what it is, is that uh, this was, uh, at the time, seen as very much... It was really very, very punctually uh, promoted on Channel 4. It was a really big concept thing. But they made absolutely nothing at all of the fact that it was, to be frank, a genre piece. Yep. It was it was it was pushed as a sort of detective show almost. Yes. Was, but with a with a kind of quirk. You know, in the way that later on when Life on Mars started, that mm. also pretended it wasn't a genre piece. And I think what this does is it's it's it kind of explains the nature of how genre television or science fiction or science fantasy or horror television was actually being thought of in the uh, echelons of television at it in around this era you could not get i mean this is the era between the doctor who's wasn't it this is about two years after the tv movie had come and gone yeah and it basically it was it was a toxic idea so they had to do anything to smuggle something that was <clears throat> genre out without letting you know that that's what it was and 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 you would you would, the idea that it was maybe a fantasy piece would creep in slowly by which time you'd been engaged by the characters who are but not so only, engaged. not only, not only <laughs> <laughs> naughty we'll come back to that um sorry <laughs> but not only the um audience being engaged sneakily but also the commissioning editors i think i had a quote mm. from i've a quote from writer and director joe ahern Mm. Um, we haven't mentioned yet. It was uh, no, we <laughs> written and directed by Joe <laughs> Yes, who of course directed Dalek, Father's Day and Parting of the Ways. Wonderfully. It had a sci-fi ethic and it looked like sci-fi. It was a thriller with a fantastical element. But there was an embarrassment factor back then. At the time, it wouldn't have been commissioned. So for Channel 4, it had to be angst, an angst-ridden tale of millennial woes. They mm. had to have a reason for doing it other than it was a fantasy or SF story. Mm. So, yeah, he was very aware that he was selling it as a police procedural sort of drama. Mm. And just got the sci-fi in via the back door, or the supernatural in via the back door. Yes. And this, Gosh. of course, this I think is is one of the stepping stones to how Russell T. Davis eventually was able to bring back a series like Doctor Who. Oh, you think? You've, you've well, you've got shows like Strange that also popped up, that mm. were, which had the same kind of success. They ran for six episodes and were never heard of again. Yeah. And other shows, um, what was that Invasion one that popped up? Okay, and there was uh, that because I rather think it was more to do with possibly I'm I'm mm-hmm. going out on a limb here possibly the American series that had started to come out that showed that you could do this stuff in a more fun and big way and mm. you know something like I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I know mm. for that reason people some people will hate me immediately mm. but um, obviously that came out a year before and was I think was starting to show in this country by the time Ultraviolet was out. So yes, there's there was kind of like and then all those series that kind of were in that in that vein. Do you get it in that vein? Ah. Ah, um, why, but, why, why you should have been writing for this one, <laughs> Joe? Joe, I can do you an episode. Yeah. 
Well, my name doesn't have a V in it, so it can't have the rest of my name disappearing I'm, or appearing with a V in it. That's unfortunate. And my Latin's not that good, so I can't think of a title. <laughs> exactly. Uh, quad erat demonstrandum. <laughs> um, yes. Um, quid pro quo. Yeah, they yes. didn't do that one, did they? <laughs> no, astonishingly. Anyway, what were we saying? Yeah, I, I don't know whether that helped Usher in Doctor Who, but certainly it was... Um, it was, well, I, I remember mean, it being a big thing. It was a big mm. thing. And I remember people... Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry on. No, it's right. No, I was just saying, I, f- I feel that there were stepping stones between sort of 1989, 1996, where these things just sort of teased that maybe these sorts of shows might be possible again. I, and... think, that's, I think that's looking at it from retrospect. I don't yeah. believe that at all. Yeah. No. Okay. But, but you are entitled to your opinion, sir. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, well, the other reason is that when you actually look at Joe Hearn then being quite heavily involved in the first series of mm. Returning Who, it kind of it shows that this is someone who's done that sort of telly. Oh, yeah, behind uh, the scenes, certainly, that made him a contender for yeah. it. Yes, certainly. I mean, the, the series that I kept get, getting brought back to in my head when watching this was Being Human, because I adore Being Human, and I thought that was, does this whole thing so much better. And the main reason I think it does it so much better is because of its humour and its wit and it's it's so much more um, visceral and I, the characters are so engaging in being human. Those first three characters that you have and you just you really care about them even though there's some horrific things that happen and some of the horrific things that some of them do. But with this... I really struggled to engage. I think mm. the person who I liked the most was Idris Elba as Vaughan Rice. Mm. I thought he was he was a, it was a fantastic acting role in the sense of he was really on it and gritty and nah. And mm. I could see why that led to you know his amazing career yeah. that he's got now. Yeah, mm. but honestly, pick the least interesting cast member of this life and bring him on to. Um, <laughs> Well, again, this is where you where you come down to the idea of the concept thriller or the the slick thriller, and one of the one of the factors in that is to bring in actors who've been successful in something else that yeah. people liked in other things, and um, bring you know put them into the mix, and so you've got uh, Susanna Harker. Oh who, yeah, well, who had yeah. sort of made an impression in the um, House of Cards. House of Cards, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is obviously not switched on yet. Daddy! Uh, <laughs> Daddy! <laughs> and you've got Jack Davenport, who had been in um, <clears throat> This Life. Playing Miles. Miles the Lawyer. I've never seen it yet. Have you not? Well, that's what... Oh, I think... Yeah, I really need to underline this, that the interesting characters were Anna, Miles' off-and-on girlfriend, um, Millie, played by Amita Deary, and Egg, played by Andrew Lincoln. And... Of of those four main people, there were some others like you know who were kind of also kind of fairly significant, but they were the main mm. four. Oh, there was Warren as well. He went on to to be in Midsummer Murders, but um, honestly, he was probably possibly the best looking, but mm. certainly the least engaging. And mm. I've read reviews of Ultraviolet that say he's the heart of the show. It's so mm. char- he's so charismatic. Mm. I didn't feel that at all. Have I missed something? Am I being really harsh? Tell me. Um, I think sometimes people write these things without actually seeing them. Oh, okay. Uh, seeing the show. I mean, the show has actually not been easy to get hold of for quite a long time. I mean, there was mm. a DVD release quite a long time ago, and then it has now turned up on uh, all four. Yeah. But uh, for a very long time, it was kind of like 
just not there. So I think maybe people had maybe they had fond memories of it or whatever, or maybe they just used to watch it because he was in it or what. Or maybe they just whatever. fancied him. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Okay. Yeah. okay. And that can blind you to, you know, with mm-hmm. with actors, sometimes the fact that you uh, find them attractive or whatever, or you want... I mean, I've said this to you before, I can't do that thing where I'll watch everything somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. does because they did something else. I just, I just thought he looked bored all the way through. Yeah. Precisely. And he really I mean, did. Like at the end, I thought when he, he crouched down at the end with his gun mm. and by the wall, I thought, I think he just looks relieved that it's over, to be quite honest. <laughs> that's, that's a wrap. This feels, I mean, as a six part series, mm. in many ways, it feels like the setup for a second series. Yeah. Uh, which never happened. Mm. So it's almost like someone said, yeah, we're not going to get any more of these. That's it. You're getting the six. Yeah. And so they had to wrap it all up very quickly. To make it make sense in in itself, but mm. uh, I mean, when you think about it, you've got six episodes. The first one is the it's well, it's the Torchwood episode, isn't it? It's the you know the, the policeman joining the squad. It's yeah, um, it's yeah. the and so that's the setup episode, and then he finds out about the squad. Can you at least let his family have him? I'm afraid not. Well, he's dead now, isn't he? Neutralized. They can regenerate. We just don't know how. Until we do, all these specimens are viable. It's a prison, not a cemetery. You're not the only one. We've all lost someone. That's why we're here. It's called a vocation. Yeah, and death and all that. These aren't isolated cases. They're organizing for a reason. And what for? They don't want to wipe us out. They need us. Exactly. So what's changed? Our capacity for self-destruction. It grows at an exponential rate. You're right, of course. They don't mean us any harm. They want to save us. That doesn't sound so bad. And the only way they can save us is by controlling us. If people like you don't take a stand now, do you know where your loved ones are going to be in 50 years' time? Battery farms. Believe me, our free-range days are over. And then, and then you have sort of like three standalone stories and then there's a two-part finale and the two-part finale the two-part finale is really good i should say i've sound like i've been really pissing all over this but the two-part finale i really was engaged i enjoyed it i thought this is good stuff this is good telly Mm. actually and i'm enjoying it there's problems Mm. with it still but i'm enjoying episodes five and six very much and i Mm. felt like almost if you'd cut out two three and four which were for me the procedural police drama Mm. episodes and stuck it together with a, a rejigged episode one that was more engaging, because I found episode mm. one a real turn-off, I have to be honest, mm. then you would have a really good, solid three-hour thing. Yeah, TV moving. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Because this is the miniseries, but it's a miniseries that doesn't really... Um... <laughs> it's not telling one story, if you see what I mean, oddly. It, it is a miniseries, but it's also a series that's trying to be a first series. But it also is, yes, it does. But it also fails to do some things that seem so obvious. And I don't know whether they seem obvious now because we're we're veterans of better TV, Mm. or 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 people take more risks now. I don't know. But for instance, a really good example. There's a really weird scene, and I don't remember what episode it's in, in which suddenly Susanna Harker's in a little black dress. And mm. she's having a drink with Idris Elba back at her house. Mm. And 
and there's sort of slight suggestion that there might be an attraction, but it doesn't go anywhere. Yep. And it's like that it seemed to be very deliberately avoiding sex, which seems like a very odd choice in mm. in terms of viewing figures and you know trying to get mm. people interested in it. But it also avoids any sort of emotional connection between the characters that feels mm. any that you have any belief in. I didn't mm. believe any of the characters liked each other, and this <laughs> this is a big problem I had in episode one. I wrote. Are they meant to be brother and sister? Because I don't buy it. Mm. And I thought originally that the character of Kirsty was meant to be Jack Davenport's sister in the series. Okay. And then I was like, oh, no, that's wrong later on because I realised there was an attraction. But only like by episode three or four, <laughs> I realised that the other person who then I thought, oh, then she's his sister. Oh, that's his sister. And the other person I thought was his sister was his ex-ex-girlfriend. And yeah. I kept think I kept thinking they were Jack Davenport's sister in the series, and that if that's not a clue to the fact that there was no chemistry between these characters, I don't know what is. I was like, was that the sister? And then to realise that there was no sister in the series at all, that was really funny. Well, yeah, there's a, there is a, there is a, there is a certainly a, a, a difficulty with the the, re, the relationships between with, between these characters. It's true, yeah, because it seems again that that. Sometimes it's just this idea that someone really sort of staring, giving somebody a hard stare, but not actually explaining anything, is somehow supposed to imply something. Yes. And you're never quite sure what the something is, but the soundtrack gets a bit moody and. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you're trying to say, well, we're not following the rules of you know, normal, normal, normal. But it's God. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm always a little bit irritated by the wedding episode anyway the wedding episode because people just act like arses they're always doing these things oh you're setting it up for a bit of conflict oh they both like the same person oh all this kind of nonsense and and what i find certainly with um the girlfriend what is her name um she's called kirsty played by colette brown and it took me ages to work out where she's from and then i realized she was nikki's naughty girlfriend in our friends in the north the student from okay. london right Anyway, you did yes. recognise it, yes, yes. Eventually. But uh, but her character is one of those bloody characters that they, they when they can't really write for women, they just oh. write someone who's annoying. She's really annoying. Annoying all the way through. Really and, annoying. Yeah, and doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yes, basically, yeah. You, you you've actually got this character who is written so poorly, peculiarly. Yeah. And acts in such. Weird ways, such weird way, yeah. And you kind of think, why, why would anybody be interested in this person? But he seems to have got this fixed. I know people in life they get fixed on all sorts of people. Then everyone. But saying, I didn't oh, buy that. You? I didn't buy that for a minute that he had no, any no. sort of affection for her. I just think he well, felt a bit guilty because he bumped off his uh, um, intended. So what about this journalist? How do you know about him? Jacob's just a sad little conspiracy anorak who latched on. He listened. But then he started saying all sorts of things about you. Don't worry. I don't believe them. And I'm not going to ask. So have you finished with him? I can't. I wasn't screwing him. It takes a little bit more than that, believe it or not. You've been spying on me. You're not jealous, are you? 
be stupid. Would it be that stupid? But she hires a bloody detective to try. No, isn't it a journalist? Journalist. Oh, is it a journalist? Sorry. Yeah. So a journalist detective. Yes, exactly. <laughs> An investigative journalist. Thank you. Yes. Well, you see, it's a police series with a twist, Martin. That's why. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, he, um, he, th- he then becomes oh, dangerously vampy. I mean, if you mention not a vampire, at- not a vampire. No. No, code five, code code V written down. See how clever it is? Code V, V for vampire. Gosh. And I do think that everyone cast in this series should have had V in their name somewhere. Otherwise, the credits don't work well enough. Only Jack Davenport works. Because he's got a V in it. <laughs> yes. I was thinking you should have Indira Varma in there. You should have LeVar Burton. All these people just because of their Vs. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not the worst credit sequence I've ever seen. It's, quite, no. it's nicely purple. I do like the no. purpleness. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I give you that. And it's a, and it's a nice font. <laughs> God, you're really struggling to say nice things now. It's a nice yeah. font. No, I mean, was... I, I, you know, I did I did say I did write down. I must mention the. Um, I mean, of of the stylish throw. I mean, there's this tracking shot of across a body, isn't it, and all that kind of thing. But lit in purple light, and then you've got the sort of um, the fluorescent sort of flicker on the on the lettering and it but all, can you clear terrible. something up can you clear something up for me mm. so the reason why it's called ultraviolet is because it's only in the under the ultraviolet light they, they can see these bite marks right yes and but you can see bite marks you don't need ultraviolet light or is it the, these are clever vampire bite marks sorry code five bite, bite marks they're not vampires mm. that um <laughs> that are hidden from normal vision is that what's yeah, it's on? also that thing that the the ultraviolet light is like like daylight and therefore gives you a certain amount of protection. I think that's the other. Right. It, it's but is that the idea that these bites can only be seen under ultraviolet light? These bites that I, have. Always I been... didn't. I didn't get that. Like I said, I just thought it was the fact that the 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 sort of it's like daylight light lamps. <laughs> daylight light lamps. You know, they vampires wouldn't move around in ultraviolet light for the because it's got the same wavelengths as daylight and all that kind of thing. That was, that was my mm. understanding of it. However, um, it's interesting really because since uh, 1998 um, and we have all seen a lot of... Over the weekend, we watched an awful lot of the American Office series. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I've never watched the American Office series before, yeah. and because I was a little, I, I'd seen the British one, and whilst yeah. I thought it was funny at the time, I've never really gone back to it. Sure, and uh, and all, and all you know, lovely cast and everything like that. I, I do find Ricky Gervais a problem, but that's yeah. not. That, I just don't particularly like uh, the way he plays that in, in that show. So okay. we thought, well, it turned up on Netflix. It had not been on Netflix for a while, and it turned up bang. On uh, on New Year's Day, and we thought, okay, yeah. well, so we ended up watching about a series and a half in two days. Yeah, but uh, there was a there was a scene in it where um, uh, they're they're away at a conference and they're in a hotel room and he's setting up to have a party and suddenly it's all lit with ultraviolet and you suddenly see all the stains on the bed. Oh, <laughs> because but if you think is if you've watched CSI for the last twenty years or CSI style programs for the last twenty years. Basically, stuff that shows up under ultraviolet light is not pleasant. Yeah, okay. And so suddenly, all this ultraviolet, it suddenly makes you think, ugh. <laughs> We're so used to seeing UV light now in things, but for a different reason. Right, okay. Mm. Anyway, so there we go. So as an aside, 
um, yeah, the the whole thing of because it's it sounds like a really clever concept. No, it, mm-hmm. you know, it really does. It sounds like oh yes, it's got this name which is about daylight or part of daylight, and all, and it's I, I you know I genuinely thought it, it at the time because I, I did watch it when it was on, which is when I say when I didn't see this life, I did actually watch Ultraviolet. Yeah. So uh, it, in that period of my life, for some reason, some stuff I did see, some stuff I didn't. Can't remember yeah. why. But I, you know, I, I took to it. I had there were there were key scenes that I remember. I remember the car with the black glass, which of course okay. would now just be illegal and they get arrested, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, they uh, and I remembered the scene with uh, Idris Elba locked in the shed and unable to escape. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, that was the standout scene of the whole series. So series, let's yes. let, yeah, let's just explain what happened. So four coffins arrive by plane from. South America, I think. Yes. Sir. And for a while, Jack Davenport's character, who I couldn't remember throughout the whole thing, I was like, what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> anyway, he was chasing the Oh, coffins. Michael Coalfield. Yes, I know. Michael honestly. Coalfield, named, named after a large deposit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> why? Um, anyway, he's chasing this truck down the motorway um, for a long time. Mike Coalfield. Where's your yeah. Coalfield? Yes. <laughs> And Sorry, anyway, it's, it's a decoy, and Idris Elba is is conned by Claudette from EastEnders. Very good actress in EastEnders. I don't watch EastEnders anymore, but when she played Claudette in EastEnders, that actress was bloody amazing. Mm-hmm. She did something great in EastEnders once. I don't know whether she killed someone or something great, but she was brilliant. But she was just as good in this. Anyway, she cons Idris Elba into... Um, or does she just hit him? Or she gets someone else to hit him. Anyway, he ends up in this hangar. He, wake, near the, he, he ends up waking up in this yeah, hangar. Yes. Yeah, near the Millennium Dome. And he uh, is surrounded by time-locked coffins, three time-locked coffins. And, the, and the, there's a countdown. And he knows that he can't get out and that these vampires are going to get out and kill him, essentially. But the solution, which is, is rather ingenious, is to bring one of the coffins forward to the there's the a slight daylight slat in the door and he engineers have, it to open it. We have established that if they're exposed to daylight they explode quite violently. Yes. Um, that has been established in previous episodes. Yes. So and in and a... in vampire law, surely. Mm. Sorry. Oh well. Code five law. Um and he opens it up early and the vampire in that one is exploded but the explosion of the coffin also and the vampire leads to the door being exploded a bit so he can get out very clever like that like that I mean, it's something that's linked to that that is a problem is that quite often things aren't explained uh, or the connections between things aren't made clear. So that, and it's not in a sort of sapphire and steel, oh, it's good that they don't explain anything, everything way. It's mm. more like they forgot to tie that loose end or they mm. didn't, should have made that clearer. And in this instance, mm. it was the fact that how did they know how to get to him? Because he didn't tell them where he was at all. Mm. And he and Marisa was shouting at the TV, "Tell them where you are!" And instead, mm. he just did this silent phone call to Angela, mm. Mm. Um, which was just a bit weird and creepy, and stalkery. And mm. he he should have said, "Oh, I'm in a hangar near the Millennium Dome. Come and help me." Mm. Maybe that's just something that Idris Elba wouldn't do. Well, <laughs> maybe I, I think I think uh, to be fair, that whole scene because he 
he uh, has set it all up so he he will not allow himself to be taken and he will uh, shoot himself in the head before yeah. he has this brainwave, which is kind of makes you think, mm, hold on, oh, oh, there's an option B here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, that whole thing—I I genuinely think the scene with the little black dress that you're referring to might just have something to do with that. Explains why he phones her. Oh, because yeah, he loves her a bit. But he wants. Yes. You know, yeah, I know. I know. No. But, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think that's the idea: is that he's meant to love her. But I didn't buy that hmm. one iota. I mean, hmm. also because she just stares at everyone in the same way as that she stares at his character. She just hmm. stares at everyone all the time hmm. with those big eyes. I know hmm. she can't help having big eyes, but honestly. More acting, love, and, 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 li- and living in the uh, the strange for- fortress flat that she lives in because of bad things that happened bad in the past. Things. Bad things. Bad where her, things. Her other daughter and her husband were killed by the T Squad, whatever they were called. Yeah. The the review I was reading also said that each of the characters is so engaging because they all have a past that needs to be unlocked. I'm mm. like, that's a nice idea on paper, but in practice. We don't mm. really get that. We don't get I... enough feeling of yeah. like. Do you know who wrote the review? Out of interest. No. No. Okay. So, see, I feel um, there is a there is a culture out there yes. of people who really like vampire fiction. Ah, okay. And because people really like vampire fiction, any example of it, they will they will say this is wonderful. Um, yeah. And actually, some... well. I mean, I uh, over the course of the last few months, we uh, we did watch about a series of, of Buffy, but we uh, which we we used to. I, I never saw the end. Of it. I, I sort of gave up on it after about four years I think it was, uh, back in the day. But uh, it was all over these magazines I buy, so you know, it was very difficult to avoid Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a while. And then obviously it had its sequel, uh, sorry, not sequel, spin-off, which was Angel, which was yep. set around the antics of a vampire in uh, in Los Angeles, which is actually not a bad series. It's, it's quite funny. It plays. Yeah. So, um, which uh, I think we got to the end of series three when we did our rewatch. But again, it's one of those things, right? We've had enough of this vampire stuff now. Thank you very much. We'll watch something else for a while. Yeah. Oh, well, let's watch Ultraviolet. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the interesting thing about... about People who like vampire stuff, yeah, is that uh, they each vampire series seems to have its own rules depending on what suits the story. There are some general things. I mean, but the mirrors thing is it seems a, a constant. Uh, what, the how you get converted seems to be, uh, yeah, you know, depending on what suits the. Pro- some seem to be able to go out in daylight. Others can't even be touched yeah. by daylight and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. It, there's not a consistency across the various things, but there was also at this point the Twilight films. Yeah. You see. So there were an awful lot of uh, young adult uh, readers who were uh-huh. getting terribly obsessive about the cult of the vampire. Yeah. And of course, now we have, um, we do have people who are, you know, the whole goth culture is there. Nothing wrong with that if that's your thing, you know. But. It doesn't mean that everything that is vampire fiction is necessarily good, but sometimes people. I mean, let's face it, we do it with Doctor Who. We we, we can we can watch a you know, a, a slightly average episode, but we'll be looking for the good things in it. So yeah. I don't think it's unfair to necessarily say. No. I just wondered whether it was quote a fan who wrote the review or actually an impartial viewer. Uh, you know, yeah. So I don't know, but I just thought I just felt reading it. I was like, were they watching a different show? 
<laughs> it felt like it was all sort of reaching for stuff that I would like to have seen and I'd like to have been there, but I just didn't, for my reading, it wasn't there at all um, in terms of, particularly in terms of chemistry and also mm. the fact that none of the characters were particularly likable. And mm. I'm very bad with shows where you don't like any of the characters. Mm. I, I didn't care what happened to any of them. And mm. that's a problem because if mm. you're going to have some, if you're going to have a thrilling situation like you had in the last episode, I mean, mm. I was quite engaged by Idris Elba being in the, you know, surrounded by the coffee, yeah. coffins in episode five and episode six, the standoff on the bridge, which is really good. Mm. But I would have been so much more engaged if one of those actors had been someone who I thought, oh, wow, that's great. And they have that relationship with that person. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. But I wasn't mm. because I didn't care mm. about what happened to any of them. Mm. If any of them had been killed, I'd be like, oh, mm. okay. You kind of feel that uh, Michael and uh, Kirsty just run off together and make yourselves miserable and leave the rest of us. Yes, have miserable much. lives arguing have about toast. Lives. Yes. <laughs> Go away, be miserable. Go away. <laughs> you see, the, the thing about Ultraviolet as well is that on some level it's quite clever. Yes, you know, it is. No, it genuinely is. I mean, in the opening episode where they set up things like the garlic tear gas and the uh, the carbon the charcoal bullets which are yeah. just kind of asides but and and the fact that you know if you have a little tv screen on your uh, shooty bang stick you know it's <laughs> you can you can see that the person isn't there but you can see them with your eyes you know nice. so all that stuff yeah. is quite clever and you can obviously tell they they set up I mean they must have spent a fortune on that set where they put all the pods of oh the yes that was nice yeah. I did wonder whether it's doing that uh, Curse of Fenric thing where oh, yeah. you know, some of it is just moulded and it's... I, I reckon there was only one that one canister door. one canister thing that opened, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But it was beautifully lit and it's all in the ultraviolet light to, yeah. to keep them to keep them sort of... Even if they escape, although they're dust at that point. You know. But, um, the, yeah, the, it, it's, it looks very good i mean it's it's nicely the production design is very good you know the, and like i say some of the ideas about like i say the, the way you would modern day vampire hunter would use this sort of technology is all that's nice it feels clever and yeah. that's where i say about the, the slick concept thriller you know it feels yeah that, that's been thought about that's quite good and, and mm. you can see that they felt that this was in for a long run you know and you had this mystery squad who had sort of absolute powers over things you know yeah and and somewhere behind the scenes there is this battle going on between the not vampire people at all and humanity uh for for their blood as their food source and all this kind of thing and the humanity is cattle and all that stuff is there in the background but somehow the foreground story the actual thing you're supposed to care about manages to be just bloody annoying because it's about bloody annoying people being bloody annoying yeah yeah. Should have called. Look, I know I've been a bit off. No argument there. How's the new job? How much do you know about that? Only that you're tucked away in Tea Branch somewhere. So Jack was involved in terrorism then? Believe it or not. Look, I'm, I'm not going to screw up your evening. You won't. You can have a drink, tell me what you want, and then I'm throwing you out. Yeah, I do. I do. No, I do. I just think largely it was miscast. Um, mm -hmm. I would keep Id Idris Elba as they did when they tried to remake it in America and it failed, but they did mm -hmm. keep him. 
But mm. um, the others, I would cast for far more charismatic actors mm. that can do more with just their faces than these mm. three could. Mm. Um, and I include Philip Quest in that, who I didn't think was mm. great. Um, he was better once he slicked back his hair. As soon as he started slicking back his hair, he got better. <laughs> but for the longest time, we're like, Marisa, I think, asked me in episode five, did he used to be a priest then? <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. if, you're ask, uh-huh. if you're asking that question in episode five, there's something wrong with the script writing here that yeah. you can't work that out very clearly, you know. Mm. So I, mean, I also wrote down that I call, I call this the women, the women with dark hair show. Um, every okay. episode, there was a new, at least one, often two women with dark hair, short dark hair in every episode mm. who all looked like each other. It was like this mm. one sort of casting agency where they got all these women who looked like each other with dark hair. And mm. it was just really strange. I mean, great, lots of women in the show, but they were all so unmemorable and they all looked like each other. It was very odd. Did you notice that? I think things just go through phases of what's trendy and what people think is, quotes attractive people on television. Again, if you're in the post... Um, this life era you know people wanted to set up these things to be in that kind of vibe i mean yeah what's, um i mean friends would have been popular at the time yes it you would know? so the kinds of central casting you were going to were those kinds of actors you know mm. if you see well, what i mean that, no i don't because that's a completely different sort of cast and a completely different sort of audience no no but what i'm saying is they were they were they were picking and choosing they may have picked a show and thought oh this kind of Look, is oh look, popular oh, okay. in, in, I just think maybe in, there was... in adult in adult drama. I think there were just probably lots kind of, of I think there were just probably lots of women with short dark hair in the nineties more than I realised. Uh. <laughs> um, huh. So I've got another quote from Joe Hearn for you. I was trying to do something that's more. If there were really vampires around, what would be the logical implications of that? Trying to apply logic to a supernatural concept, treat them more as another natural phenomena, which we don't have all the explanations for yet, but which can be combated scientifically. Hmm. And I think he achieves that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I yeah. Get that. no, I and that. I think that that is interesting, applying the logic to it. And that leads you to some interesting things. But then I think it's kind of, in the end, all swallowed up by the fact that in the end, it is just they, they want a nuclear winter and they are bad after all. And mm. they just want to kill us all. And mm. I don't know. Did they do that well enough? You could argue that there, are, there is an arc through the show. I mean, it, it, it's almost like they thought of it halfway through the nuclear winter. Thing. But mm. there was a definite arc about sort of sort of um, the food aspect. If, if, if the planet got completely clouded over, they would be able to walk around all the time. Yeah. And so they're they're burning stuff in the rainforests to to increase the greenhouse effect to to make this possible and and what was that thing about the blood with the the artificial blood because they don't synthetic want blood. blood but, but uh, yeah it was developed mm. synthetic blood that worked so they didn't have to rely on humans but by this mm. point the idea was that they'd taken over anyway so they didn't need humans so they could kill mm. them all but I think the mm. the and I really like the idea and the, the the not goodies and baddies thing and like how the the, the mystery gang are just mm. as bad as as the vampires sort mm. of message. But it's kind of at the end you kind of like feel that feeling. Oh, actually, the vampires were bad because they did just mm. want to kill us all. And I thought that was it wasn't a cop out, but it was a bit disappointing because I would liked it left that oh maybe there are vampires among us and maybe you know that's they they they've got rights rights for code fives. I'm sorry to say I never knew your husband while he was alive. 
For the brief time that he was with us, he impressed us all with his intellect and his humor and his stories about you. When he agreed to join us, it was solely on the basis that he could persuade you. He didn't want to be without you, you see, or your children. Whatever indoctrination you've been subjected to, you must try to understand we're, we're more like you than not. If we didn't have any souls or desires beyond feeding, why should we want to go on? We're not machines. By your morals, we, we do terrible things, so does God. You forgive him because you believe he loves you. Robert, never stopped loving you for a second. They all, to a lesser or greater extent, they all have their arc, don't they? I mean, you get the Jack Davenport arc, um, even though he's really quite dull in life. There's, there's one moment, I can't remember where it is, I think it's when they're about to go into a house. Yeah. And he, uh, as a police officer or as an agent or whatever, special agent of T-Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and he, the delivery on that line is just so, uh, why am I here? <laughs> that, yes. that you actually think, well, did they not have time for a retake? Or you, <laughs> it's, it's really odd because, I mean, Jack Dunport has had quite the career. And, you know, is, is not an uncharismatic actor mm. in things, you know. Yeah. But the interesting uh, thing is, he won't talk about Ultraviolet, by the way. He won't right. talk about So there you go. Maybe he's just very, very unhappy with it. Although, interestingly enough, that's is that two two series with, with leads that and Joe Hahn involved? That, no, I never. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Oh, gosh. Tell me more. Well, I mean, this isn't there a. I mean, wasn't there a problems on the Joe Hahn Doctor Who? With Christopher Eccleston, was he not? Oh, God, yes, I think so. But I don't know whether it's yeah. to do with Joe Ahern directly. No. But certainly... no, I'm just saying this. I yeah. suddenly si I'm suddenly making connections that probably aren't there, but I'm just seeing that yeah. that's interesting. You know, that's just interesting in and of itself. Uh, maybe he just didn't like it, or he, you know, or, or maybe he had an argument with the agent I when he took the I think he looks. Deal. I think he looks uncomfortable in it. Yeah. And I think it's like, oh, oh I don't know whether I'm mean, liking but this. Why? I mean, why? But maybe I think it's maybe why just because it's just not worked hard enough. Mm. I just don't think any of the elements have worked hard enough. It's there's so mm. much that good that's there, but mm. I do. I just think sometimes maybe just a spark is missing, and the cast mm. just don't get on. Mm. But but I mean, but again, you know, you look, you talk about arc. Susanna Harker has this arc about her husband and daughter having died, and she's yeah. the medic, and so she does all the medicy things throughout the program. And then of course it turns out that uh, Philip Quast's character has got a cancer. Yeah, and oh, one of the things that the becoming a vampire can cure is cancer yeah is cancer yeah um so so he's got that yeah but it, cure, it cures that. you in the sense of killing you yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 i know but that be, that becomes yeah. the the temptation yeah. yeah oh and will and will he because he has that scene where he talks to him alone and then they don't ah. trust him anymore because yes. he might have he might have gone over to the dark yes. side but the, you know, and then there's that scene where Kirsty uh, he thinks she's been turned, but then right in the last scene of the program, you see she's in all the mirrors. So oh, she's she's fine really, and he's just made a complete dick of himself. And yeah, and and of course you've got Idris with his uh, his army squad being the only survivor of this army squad, and out for Wiwengi because of that because of that and and that sort of arc sneaking through at least till episode 5 it tends that tends to be the end of his actual but arc, i didn't think know? that one was front and center enough i really didn't 
barely listened to that. I don't know mm. whether I was tuning out, but it's just like I didn't really understand what his his deal was. Mm. Um, I just thought that she had she had a bit of a thankless role, um, Susanna mm. Harker. She just kept mooning around the lab all the time, looking looking mm. earnest. There was a lot of serious acting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, this is a serious situation. Oh, we mm. must be very serious here. I'm acting, darling. Mm. And I think it, with some humour, it could have been lifted mm. so much, and it was just like. Let's all be serious, but this is gritty. This is gritty. Actually, that would be mm. the third Netflix word, gritty. Um, mm. But it just becomes dull if people are doing mm. that all over the shop. And well, there is this theory, isn't there, with with uh, genre drama, is you either take it seriously, yeah, or or, or you laugh along with it. And and if you're laughing along with it, people, do, you've got you've got to take it seriously so the audience will. Well, yeah, is, but you, is but... one theory, but it doesn't necessarily. But it doesn't mean you can't have lighter moments. I mean, look at Secret Army and Tenko. I mean, they're so serious subject Mm. matter. Like, death is at every turn, and yet Mm. they manage to have funny moments all the time and smiles Mm. and laughter and things that Mm. are unexpected. And I remember Jerry Glaster saying that one of the main things he he remembers about the war and also Lavinia Warner talking about the camps was that they had fun times. You know, Mm. they had moments which were lighter Mm. and... The resistance so, organization. So one of the Netflix laughs. Netflix words you wouldn't choose is warm. <laughs> Definitely not. It's, it's, not got, it's one of the coldest series I've ever watched. Mm. And and you've te- watched some cold stuff. <laughs> I bloody have. It's the lack of engagement. It's it's, mm. it's 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 such a shame because you want a hook. I'm I watch it's it's a bit like when I used to interview for um, my staff members. And you'd really want to make a connection with everyone, every single interviewee so that you could help them to see what it would be like in this role and therefore you could see whether they would fit with your team and everything like that. Mm. But you you desperately want people to do well. I always did mm. anyway as an interviewer. And I'm like that with TV. I want the characters to do well and to show me mm. who they are so that I can engage with them. And I felt mm. all the time that I was left wanting and I was like, well, I don't know who you are. I don't really care. That thing you always say, which I agree with as well, is is in some series you get three words or three lines from a character and you know everything about them. Mm. With this lot, it was such an effort to get to know them and I didn't. I got bored of trying to find mm. out. The biker said he had blue eyes. These are definitely brown. Look. And everything else matches. Or you think he had a twin brother we didn't know about. I don't know. Well, look, the last thing you do is look into their eyes. If you want to be sure, use video. It'll be the one of half a face missing. Shouldn't be too difficult to spot. You won't even look human. You find them making a mistake? Of course not. No hesitating, shoot first, no warnings. Why worry? Uh, In terms of the show... Yes. I mean, you've got these six episodes. Uh, Yeah got episode three and four which are called Subjudice and Mia Culpa yes. and they are what I would call the two issues episodes yes but that's the problem isn't it they are so issue episodes mm. that they say issue issue all over them yeah and they may as well have just been called abortion and and paedophilia and then yes. you know well that's really where I was, I was taking that yeah and I just I just, um, I just really wondered if if you had any sort of further comments on that. Really. <laughs> yeah, the same view as you, I think. Um, again, so I wrote down for subjudice. I wrote 
very serious acting between Marion and Angela. They're really mm. acting. <laughs> it's mm. like it's like we're acting here about a very serious subject. The thing that really mm. interested me about that episode was when the IVF doctor was saying that I don't tell people at parties about the fact that I'm, I, I work in fertility because, mm. because people will shun me. And I was thinking, God, this shows how old this series is because mm. now I don't think you'd get the same reaction at all. Yeah. But that you, took me... Get it, getting through any kind of meal with people who aren't telling you about their IVF. <laughs> yes, exactly. But then I remembered how hard it was for my sister who had IVF mm. um, to have her two children, my elder mm. sister, Anna. And... Um, and I think it was still really quite new then, very new. Mm. And it was just really interesting to see that that was like messing around with human nature. And mm. and that was really fascinating from that angle. I was more interested in that angle than I was in the abortion issue mm. side of it. But that's mm. p- possibly because the IVF mm. one is that was time sensitive to that time. And it's not so much of an issue anymore. Mm. Well, I would say also the interesting thing about that is that I think there is a underlying uh maybe unspoken even uh aids allegory going on right in this in this series yeah uh, which may or may not be the reason it's so po-faced about the time you know from the time it's set yeah yeah, you see what i mean yeah (laughs) because there was all that stuff going on as well yeah so you could argue that maybe that's an element of all this stuff about oh you know it's about blood but oh you know um, and all the and various sort of comments about sort of treatments and stuff. And, they you know, they, I mean, they to, talked about infection so much. Infection yes. was the most repeated word. So I think you might mm. be onto something. Yeah. Mm. And so it, it's an you know in that sense it's an AIDS allegory. Also, you've got the sickle cell thing going on in uh, terra yeah. incognita as well. So but, there, but were, also, there were lots of yeah. medical issues that but, were in the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah. But and also, those... didn't you think honestly every show we watch has something to do with the pandemic? Honestly couldn't believe it that the <laughs> pandemic was still a thing and that was part of the vampire plan and it was like oh my mm. god <laughs> we can't get away from it so what are well, your thoughts on on the the school episode yeah that again that becomes i mean in many ways that's the toughest one yeah I think. yeah and it's and it's tough because unfortunately in drama it's now become acceptable to suggest that all priests are dodgy yeah and i you know genuinely there are people who go into the priesthood not to fiddle with boys you know yeah exactly it actually it actually um you know for some people it you know okay yes there have been bad things and, and i know that these things have you know featured in in dramas and in in the real world and it's bloody awful what's happened but it's almost like it was a given in this that there was something dodgy going on, but there right wasn't, was there, off. with the priest? The priest wasn't. Was no, he? no, and that's the thing. And of course, that also then gives you the backstory of uh, Quast's character. That was it. That's when we found out, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. That, but it was kind of suggested he walked around looking a bit sort of, you know, like he had a cassock on. Most, most <laughs> yeah, he had the air of a cassock wearer. Air of a cassock wearer. <laughs> um, generally speaking, but you know. I mean, I'd, I'd sort of picked up on it, but I, I couldn't remember whether I'd picked up on it because I'd seen the show before. This is the thing. Um, and again, this connects slightly to what I was saying about Strange as well, because that was there was a lot... There seemed to be... I can't remember where we are in, in terms of, um, you know, the... What's the, the books? The Angels, Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code and all that 
They were later. They were later. Yeah, okay. that's, but there's all this sort of stuff in the brew at that time. Right. That pre-millennial stuff, that pre-millennium stuff. Well, yes, Joe Hearn had the phrase that he used of millennial angst, mm. which is was threaded through the series. Mm. Um, this feeling like, oh, we're all heading for this end point. What does that mean? Yeah. And I remember that really vividly, living through mm. that and thinking, it was kind of like the end times feel. Now we mm. look back at it and think, God, we didn't know how well off we were. <laughs> well, yes. But, um, yeah. Hmm. Could this have triggered off his bleeding? Possibly. Also, these are not typical wounds. They're smaller, less tissue damage. I don't think they were feeding at all. I think they were tasting. Some, some funny moments or lines that I liked. There was the bit about 30s is when we realise we're all going to die. <laughs> I'm thinking mm. 30s. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, OK. They were very young, weren't they, the cast, I felt, in terms of they just seemed very young to me. And they thought they were... I think that was another problem I had with them all being serious. It's like, lighten up, you're, you're only 30. <laughs> it's mm. like, I don't know. But then how old would you have been when that was on, if you'd watched it then? Would you have been about 24 yourself? I would have been 26, yeah. 26. So, yeah. yeah, I've just knocked two years off you, you see. Thank you. <laughs> I'd have been 112. No. 112 only. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Is that, am I adding or subtracting? I forgot. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, though, because there was this, again, I, I hesitate to say, but the slick, the, there was this phase where had they all had to be young good looking casts if you see what yes well that was the, um, that was the off-putting thing about this life really that was mm. the thing about that it was very much in that in that vein mm. yeah well, it's, it's fine if if the target audience is also young adult you know yeah but actually it, it does tend i mean I all i'm saying is do you think looking back on it had you watched it when you were 26 yeah would you would you have felt wow this is cool and exciting or maybe you're not that kind of person, so I don't know. But well, it, was, you know, well, would you... it was interesting because I, I didn't watch it. And I remember the fuss about it. I remember there was a mm. fuss about it. But mm. I, I, for some reason, I still didn't watch it. So I find that interesting. But that mm. might be something to do with more, more to do with the fact I was in a shared house at that point than anything else. Mm. Um, mm. But looking at it now, I think it, it really does try to do that stylistic thing very hard. And the mm. fact, I, I laughed at the, at the point at which um, Michael Colefield, now I know his name, um, mm. and the journalist were both stood mm. there in their leather jackets. And I just thought, this is, this is so 90s, it hurts. <laughs> Not that leather jackets are just 90s, but it was just in that moment they both had to be for, this, for it to be that drama. Mm. The, thing I, the scene I really didn't like was when they found that coffin was empty. Mm. Was it, was that coffin was, was subdued to say? Was that the episode? Mm. And... You had Miles from This Life. I'm going to call him Miles from This Life. That's who he was. Okay. Throwing, throwing a cigarette into the coffin. Did you see that bit? Mm. And I was like, oh, mm. it's just so deliberately stylish that yes. it didn't add anything to the plot. It was just there to make him look cool. Mm. And I think it was trying too hard to be cool. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Well, yes. I mean, there is, like I said, there is a whole sort of swathe of that kind of telly from that era. I think, I, I mean, you can, and I think, you know, we have sort of commented that, that there is there is a dearth of good drama television in, in the second half of the 90s. 
absolutely. I remember some of the um, shite that was on, like, Time... What was it? Time Traveller? What was that called? Crime Traveller. Oh. Crime Traveller. Oh, and there was other shows like that that were so awful. And you're like, well, who came up with this? How did this get another series? So These are all the people who really wanted to remake Doctor Who, you see, and they weren't allowed to do it. Yes, they made <laughs> One of my like Crime Traveller, yes. Oh, we but we like science fiction and we like genre programs and and people will watch them. Look, here's one. There's a really bad one. That'll prove that people. Will, oh, never mind. And um, like and yeah. like you were saying on the Johnson Creek episode that that was definitely trying to people were trying to um, see that as a Doctor Who replacement for a bit, mm. weren't they, in the late nineties? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or well, I'm not saying necessarily Doctor Who, but that sort of television. They, yes. They did feel like there wasn't you know all drama at the time was either um, you know terribly serious. Or, or terribly uh, period drama, you know, because this is sort of peak, um, peak, uh, was it Jane Austen, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> very much peak Austen you know. period, yeah. And so people who didn't want to make Jane Austen dramas, yeah. you know, were thinking, well, what else can we do? And we can't do science fiction because, well, that's basically been vetoed. Yes, it's not allowed <laughs> by any TV production company, apparently. Yeah, you know. But and yet, I, I, do, you know. I do worry about that sort of view, though. I think that. It takes someone like with the guts of someone like Russell T Davies to push through all that shit and say, no, screw these focus groups, screw this idea that people don't want these things. Don't stop asking people what they want and just bloody make good TV and then people will follow it. And, you know, that story about how he got rid of all the focus group information. I mean, that that's I, I tell that on my courses because I don't believe in focus groups. I don't think you should ask people what they want. You need to. Push, put, present things to people and then find out if they use them and in the case of TV find out if they'll watch them and I hate TV that isn't made with that perspective and to hear Joe Ahern talking about oh I had to hide it and it had to be a police series and I had to make it for that sort of stuff I hate I hate that sort of and maybe yes you had to do it back then maybe there was no choice but I hope that TV's moved on and I think it has by the range of TV programmes you've got now it's less genre set isn't it you can have mm. things that are very different things fluid yeah. yeah well you see that's again if you think about what what you just said then about it had to be a police series and it had to hide it and all that, yeah. that's exactly what life on mars was you know yes it's a, it's a well-hidden police <laughs> the science fiction time trouble uh, or even sort of post post life what what is well, it's set in a fantasy world anyway, isn't it? And that's the point. And it's yeah. and it's disguised as a as a spoof of the Sweeney. <laughs> yes, but I think that was allowed to do more, perhaps because of shows like Doctor Who by then, because that mm. was slightly after. Yeah. And I think the, it was allowed to be a bit more. I different. just feel that that the guy who went to pitch that was it Stephen Graham must have basically gone, oh, it's a police series, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got another quote from Joe Ahern. Do you have to talk about it as a police series with a twist? Which it was as well. You're not lying. For the audience mm. you're selling to, which isn't the audience which is going to watch it, you have to choose your words carefully. You have to blow up the straight dark drama element and minimise the elements we're all interested in. Mm. But doesn't that seem crazy? Minimise the... Listen to that. Minimise the elements we're all interested in. Mm. Just in order to get commissioned. Isn't that a topsy-turvy world of fuckery? Well, it makes yeah. me so angry. <laughs> but you've also, you, I think, you see, you've also got this thing that that there was this idea of the viewer. Yes. The viewer will. Yes. The viewer will just switch off. Yes. Because oh, this is this is bloody silly. This is yeah. daft. This yeah. I won't watch this shit. It's bloody rubbish. It, uh, no, it's just nonsense. It's all bloody. That wouldn't happen. And yeah. there was this idea that we we were so concrete by this stage that people couldn't actually accept 
sort of high concepts yeah. like that. Um, there was also this theory at the time that, for want of a better word, it was expensive to make fantasy television. It was expensive. So you had to do it in a way that was actually quite cheap because this was just make a few guns, build a fancy wall, and actually it's just... A, a few explosives as well. There's quite a few explosives. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, you didn't need much. You know, some, some fancy... I mean, the kids will love the, the camera camera guns with the, you know, with the charcoal. That'll be, yeah. that'll be cool. We'll be, be able to sell them to the kids at Christmas, you know. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Yes. But, yeah. um, but generally speaking, there were these ideas that, one, it was too expensive, and two, the viewer won't go with you on that journey. Mm. And, of course, when you look back to the previous decade with, with people like Dennis Potter... Yeah. Who would, who would take people on these incredible journeys? I mean, you know, if you actually look at the parallel, and I know it's it's a decade apart, but but the Singing Detective is a six-part drama, yeah, which is ostensibly a, uh, a film noir, you know, uh, detective drama, but also is so much more. Yeah, if you see what I mean, it's mm -hmm. sort of a lot, all that stuff is disguised, but it's so slickly and well done, and takes everybody with it. Yeah. And then you look at Ultraviolet 12 years later and it's it's what it is. It's it's kind of a bit po-faced, a bit, oh, God, it tries too hard. I always think it's trying it too really hard is. to be sensible. Yes. It's just dripping with sense and not in a good way. Mm. Um, something I haven't mentioned, which I think it's massively missing, um, um, because it's absent, it just seems glaringly bad now is that there's no that every character is heterosexual and mm. that would never happen now and i think it mm. arguably makes it much less interesting it's so straight in that way as well that was mm. painful to watch mm. it was just oh god it's like it's so stereotyped in that sense again, i mean i think to a certain extent and this is probably gonna get me into all sorts of trouble but i think when you wibbly wobbly back to you know the 22 years and yeah. you have to, I suppose the point is that the, it, there really wasn't much representation of that sort on telly outside the soaps not generally well, well no but even if you go back to not not in not in a no but quote, even if, fun if you go back to this life you did you had mm. Warren he was like the most mm. endearing character in this life was mm. the gay character mm. who was but, in the but, first series it's all about his his acceptance and him mm. being him and I think mm. Well, that, that was a very was, popular drama. Well, yes, that's what I'm saying. But it, it was also a sensible drama, a grown-up drama, if you like, and what? in sort of ent entertainment drama, there, there were there were less there was less representation. Oh, I see. I, I see because that was kind of yeah. I think it was, a, it was, and it might well even be that they were uncomfortable because of all this talk of blood. Yeah, but then that would have been an argument to put it in, really, in a way. Uh, well, yes, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but yeah. we're not commissioning editors, are we? You know. <laughs> but the only aspect you get of it is a really negative gay mm. vibe from the episode mm. four episode. You know, the old mm. linking gays with paedophilia mm. crap. You know, and it's just mm. like, oh, that was just what? felt unfortunate that that was the only time it came up. God. But also, you were you were making links to the Catholic Church as well. Um, yeah, which which you know obviously had its stance. You know. Yeah. And Can I just ask a question to clear something up? Michael Colefield, did his sister ever turn up in the series? <laughs> I don't remember him having any. I mean, you actually. Oh, I mean that. That opening, was me being naughty. No, that opening opening episode. That I mean, you get lots of testosterone bollocks. Because you've got testosterone, but they're policemen, and they're uh, yeah. and, and you get the nonsense around the whole sort of 
bloody wedding and then the investigating his mate and yeah oh i don't know it's the first episode was the hardest it was the worst it was the most dense and it was the most oh start again throw Mm. it out start again honestly Mm. um i think if i'd watched it back in the day i wouldn't have gone to episode two after watching the first episode i would have done that yeah Mm. But episodes five and six, fantastic. I would commend mm. episode five and six to people. I would even mm. say, don't watch episodes one to four. To go to mm. five and six, you'll pick it up pretty quickly and you'll enjoy it. I mean, uh, once you get the concept, yeah. And of course, uh, the other delightful thing about episode five is you get to see the Millennium Dome while it was still under construction. <laughs> True fact. But at the time, everyone would have been like, oh, bloody Millennium Dome, yeah. mad labour madness and all this sort of stuff, wouldn't you? <laughs> Of course, London uh, then uh, is a complete. I mean, it's it's now become such an iconic part of the London skyline, the dome. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's all, is it, is it the centre of the East Enders swirly swirly thing. thing. Now? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen East Enders for years. I've just I've, I've seen I've seen credits when it comes I've on. Seen credits. Whereas, <laughs> well, no, credits. it comes on. I I go, oh, God, that's on, and we switch channels. I'm terrible. I know. Oh, drama. How can you possibly avoid the soaps? Well, I don't. You know, I don't. I do. So, <laughs> wow! Um, yeah, suck it, suck it up, listeners. Yeah, that's the second time we said "suck it up" today. <laughs> Quite a, this um, is a tenacious mode. I'm, I'm feeling, Rude. I'm feeling we maybe didn't have a lot to say, so we've just got a bit. Oh God, we've got to fill up. Fill no, I don't think. Th- I don't think that at all. I think no. we're just angry at the world at the moment, yeah. and with very good reason. We did have to all listen to the PM's address yesterday. Yes, but all that sort of skylines. I don't. I think a lot of. The London skyline that we know now wasn't there, was it? When this was, I mean, of all the sort of um, gherkins and what. Oh yeah, the gherkin since. would have been in it like a shot, otherwise, wouldn't it? As would um, yeah. what's it called, Canary Wharf? Was that there then? Oh, and the and the, and the pointy thing, the the, the shard, the, spire. the shard, yes, <laughs> the pointy yeah. thing. You can tell I don't live in London, yes. don't you? Yes. Martin's Guide to <laughs> London. One of them the fan- pointy fancy things. southern buildings. Aye, we have fancy southern buildings down there. We have bloody concrete up north. <laughs> concrete and square. You'd be able to do a much better um, tour of the Peak District, wouldn't you? Good. Aye. Um, Grim. A line that I really liked was when they talked about that 1992 conference. Did you hear that line? And it, the line was, everyone who was green was there. And <laughs> it just made me laugh because it was like, yeah, in 1992, that's probably true. There would have been a conference where everyone who was interested in green issues could have fitted in one room. And in it was one just, phone box. Yes, it just really made me laugh. Just made me think, at least we've come quite a long way in terms of environment and green stuff since then. But that that was quite a funny line. An, an I mean, it's funny. That I, I mean, I know I was going on about the Millennium Dome, but I do actually like Lost Worlds, you know? I mean, you think about that whole area of London now, because all the sheds that they were filming and everything will yeah. have gone now. You know, and I, I sort of get, I, I get, I like sort of old fifties film. You know, things like um, the yeah. Blue Lamp and stuff. To see London yeah. in that era, you know, the, the, you know, Dixon and Dot Green and all that kind of thing. To actually see those areas, even Resurrection of the Daleks, mm. yeah. <laughs> and, and they're not flat. Secret Army. Secret Army was all filmed on the Millennium mm. Dome area. Yeah. See, all of those. Secret. And I think quite. But a lot, did you know that? You know that. Yeah, no, I think quite a lot of things like uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth was, wasn't it? In in, the, yeah. in that same area near to where uh, Tower Bridge is, you know, all that sort of. Well, fine. Finally, the, this Latin episode name is going to come in handy because the episode in which that is in is called Terra Incognito, which means unknown land. Ooh. So there's a link. Isn't that good? Sound, it almost like, sounds like we planned something there, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> we planned that bit. 
Well done, us. So do you want me to, do you want me to re- uh, read the uh, DVD box at you? No, I don't think I'll bother. Uh, <laughs> it comes in a bit... It's telling it, me it, that they're charismatic and engaging. Nicely, it's very nicely uh, It's very nicely designed. You've got this uh, varnish on it, so you've got the words, they look like us, they act like us, repeated across the background. And I, uh, I'm never oh. quite sure, but I think it might be a glow-in-the-dark uh, cardboard cover. Quick, turn the lights off now. <laughs> it's in the middle of the day, man. Anyway. Have you not got curtains or a blind? Well, you see, I know it's grim up north, but, but you can't run to a curtain. You see, when you look at this, because uh, you know the, how DVDs back in the day, they had um, chapter headings. Yeah, really bloody wrote a lot of them. Yeah. Carry on, well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, it's just that, so you've got habeas corpus for episode one. In nomine patri, or patris, sub judice, oh, yeah. Mia, cul- yeah. Mia culpa terra incognita and persona non grata, and they, uh, these were these yeah. were transmitted what between September and October uh, nineteen ninety eight. But the the yeah. one that gets me is Mia culpa. This is disc two, episode four, and it's got four chapter names. Yeah, Gary is attacked. <laughs> two, he loves boys. Oh my god! Three, Jacob's discovery, and four, Ugh. Oliver's house. Oh, honestly, fucking destroy that chapter writer. Well, now, this is the thing that I used to have when I did the box sets um, for various series for DD. I was determined not to do these shitty chapter titles that had been written, obviously, by people who had not watched the stuff and hated <laughs> what they were watching. So we'd all, Marisa and I would sit there and think, well, what's the best title for this? And we honestly, we'd really discuss the chapter titles. Mm. For, so if you've got the Secret Army box sets, those chapter titles were written with love. But there was one hilarious one where we could not think of a chapter title for this scene. I think it was from the episode Prisoner of War right. um, from from series two of Secret Army. And we honestly, we just got in hysterics. And I think we'd been drinking. And I think we actually put down as a sort of like a placeholder for an ep- a chapter title we couldn't work out. We put down Banana Night Farm. <laughs> and, and I don't know why that has gone down in Laura's. Like we, that's our sort of like term for a chapter title that's bad on a DVD set is Banana Night mm. Farm. That was one that didn't get through, by the way. I don't think you can see that in the oh. Secret Army box set. But, oh, well, that's it. But, ch- but these chapter titles that are so bad, honestly. I noticed them on the Tenko box set, which I didn't do. Mm. It's like, Marion Leaves. Da, 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 da. Oh, God, honestly, no. Bad. What's the um, Read out the cover back text. I want to hear that. Ooh. See whether it's written by Ooh. someone Ooh. who has well, a brain. It's very minimal. It's very minimalist. Oh, go. Picture format, pal. For- no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's very minimalist. They look like us. They act <gasps> like us. For centuries, <gasps> vampires have... Co- I, should, I, vampires. I should be... It says vampires on the back cover. <gasps> no, sorry. For centuries, oh vampires have coexisted. They, they didn't get They didn't get the memo. No, but they missed the memo oh, yeah. when they did... Well, this was a few years later, you see. This is okay, this is okay. how do we sell the DVD, not... Um, ah. This is a few years later. Oh, on the off the back of True Blood and um, Twilight and yeah, everything yeah, else, yeah. yeah. So they look, so they look like us. They act like us. For <laughs> centuries, vampires have coexisted in harmony with humans until now. Now mankind has the ability to destroy itself, and the vampires need to take control of their threatened food source. CIB, ah, here we go. CIB and the late government, and elite. <laughs> CIB, an elite government force, has been formed to combat the threat. Formed. But when eternal life is offered, no one is beyond temptation. I'd have asked for my money back. 
Oh bloody hell! That's, that's not the series. No, that's hilarious. But well, that it also needs to have. It missed. also needs to have. <laughs> it also needs to say um, with Joe Beth Williams. <laughs> um, I agree with Johnny Johnny Vaughan on the Big Breakfast. I always he used, always used to do that. Is his best voiceover name was Joe Beth Williams. Mm. That was always the best one. Although what does surprise anyway. me that having not rehearsed that at all, I made far less fluff than if I'm actually trying to read anything I've written myself. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yes. So maybe I need to do all but, my anything in future that I've written. I need to do in that voice, so it looks like I'm thinking voice. about what I'm actually saying. But that really sounds like it's trying to pretend it's a Hollywood blockbuster, isn't it? It is, yeah. And why would you do that on a DVD set? Be honest about it, honestly. What a load of tosh! <laughs> yeah, I don't think they could put that on it. What a load of tosh! The eight set of. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> oh my lord. Hmm. Anyway, yes. no one is beyond temptation, as the inner sleeve says, and uh, maybe we, uh, that, that's possibly where we should. It's been fun, though, hasn't it? I mean, we've gone back to our normal approach. I mean, the last last few episodes, when you've you've been a <laughs> co-writer, or you've written the books and things, and and yeah, you've been yeah, interviewing yeah. all the all the cast and crew and everything. It's ah, oh, yeah. it's it's uh, this is just yes, we're back to normal. This is normality, normality on the edge of death, and we wish we could say something nicer. <laughs> so be nice, Martin. No, we have said we liked episodes five and six, but I also do honestly, really heartily recommend that the viewer goes to the viewer, mm. the listener goes to view being human instead because mm. it does this so much more fun mm. with so much more. I mean, Corin Redgrave was lovely, by the way. Mm. Can I just say Corin yes. Redgrave was very good, but he's not a patch on Mark Gatiss doing the very similar role mm. in being human mm. and camping it up far more, and it was wonderful. And of course, he, Mark, Mark his, yeah, his his arc is all very odd because he seems to be they suddenly dispose of him quite suddenly after they setting do. him all up as this this threat and unceremoniously yeah, one might say which is which is a bit of a, an odd one you know but i mean but now of course you do get towards the end i mean this is the other thing towards the end you get this because we should talk about this i mean we are we have now uh watched new year's television and you get this confrontation on a bridge yeah and you, you may have seen a confrontation on a bridge on new year's day but, what was that? Oh yes, mm. I was. Th- I was in. The, it's a wonderful life in my mm. head. No, no revolution of the Daleks. Mm. Thank you. Yes, or Daleks, as that guy says. <laughs> that was annoying. <laughs> which which sounds like some sort of car you might buy. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Delexus. It's like when you listen. It's like when you listen to American podcasts about Doctor Who, and they call. They don't call him Davros. They call him Davros. They have to call him Davros. Davros. Honestly, it sets my teeth on edge. Well, oh, Davros. Dev- well, Moscow has been Moscow for a very long time. Oh, it? honestly, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, yes, I'm, your I'm point was. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Be nice about the American podcast. Yes, no, no, they are. Very I mean, we, who are we to denegrate anybody else's uh, language or, or Indeed. Be nice, Martin. Indeed. Be, be more like me. Indeed, be like more yourself. like me. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, right away, sir. Sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sorry, sir. I'll be, I'll be much nicer, sir. Wow. No. Um, so basically, you get this. You do get the. Um, it is. It is now possible to resurrect, to resurrect the vampires from the deed by some strange uh-huh. blood mixing thing that that um, journalists do. <laughs> Yeah. And so the whole all, all bets are off. And uh, when series two comes back, because because his his former uh, police buddy sort of comes back from the dead, and and then um, 
I can't remember now. Did, does she bugger off the girlfriend or does she go? She runs off after being angry. Yeah. She hits him. Mm. She hits him and says, why are we, Why did you bring my ex oh. or soon to be husband to oh. life? Well, that's what you wanted. Mm. Her, so her character she was just awful. Not, oh, she's just annoying all the time. Just go away. Yeah. And, then go he, away. and then he basically, having come back from the dead, sort of skips merrily off into the darkness and to be never seen again, except then, oh, no, because when... when uh, Detective Michael My, Michael Field goes home. <laughs> Michael, Michael, Michael Field and, and, and composes tubular bells. Yes. <laughs> goes goes back to his house. Oh no! I'll be keeping yes. an eye on you. Series two. Ha ha! And Jack's going no bloody chance. <laughs> now there's there's a myth here that I want to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a myth about the fact that Ultraviolet was cancelled mm. and that it should have had a second series. And mm. why wasn't there a second series? Mm. Joe O'Hearn quite clearly states in interview, no, there wasn't meant to be a series two. It was a self-contained series. And I was quite happy that's all there was. Mm. Yeah. But the the story I've always heard about Ultraviolet is, oh, it was brilliant. It should never have been cancelled. Mm. And I think that's just come up as a fan myth. Mm. There we go. Well, it, it is It is now. I mean, you'd, you'd call it a miniseries. The thing about it is, is it's everything in it is screaming set up for a, a second series. Everything. You actually look at yeah. it. It's, it's the whole setup of that final episode is another series. It's not... It, it may well just say, oh, no, that just sort of proves that you can't change anything, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And I think that's just retconning. I think they're really, really sort of playing with... Uh, they didn't want to make another series. But actually, I think the whole... If, if you watch the show... It's been absolutely set off, set up to do a second one. It's absolutely right. every every beat of it is saying we've got this situation and next year it's going to be worse because this has happened and we now know this and we you know, apart. I mean, otherwise the end is oh we now know that they can use their blood to bring themselves back. Yeah. Yeah. And so what? Yeah. What's the consequence of that? What what does that do? You know, it's it's actually. I, I, they may well say, "Oh no, we owe any intent to me," but then we we don't like to sort of you know, our failures, our massive failures. We don't tend to sort of go, "Oh bugger," you know. It's it, it's. I think that's not true. <laughs> what you think there was meant? <laughs> I disagree. With I, know, you, I, I don't I necessarily disagree with think, you a lot today. I uh, just it's not that. No, I, I mean I think it's. All right, maybe there was a lot of potential for a second. Maybe they left they were fifty fifteen when they were filming, but if you actually yeah. look at it as a as a chunk, it do, it's not it's not a self contained story. It really isn't. I reckon it could be just Jack Davenport said, "No fear." Yeah, that, and that well, that, <laughs> and that's but it gets rewritten as oh no, we were never. It was always intended to be just the six. Mm, yeah, possibly. I mean, what's that um, sitcom that Samantha Samantha Janus was in? Where they changed the lead after the first year. Game on. Game on. Mm. They could have done that. <laughs> oh, what changed the lead? Oh, easily. Very happily. I don't think anybody would have even yes. noticed. You know. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I, I just. Well, no. What I mean is, actually, if sometimes there's enough time between series, you could just you could have written him out, and another lead would have come in, and it wouldn't have. Yeah. It wouldn't have made it any. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say yeah. to have someone playing the same character, but I think you know they could have bought in a different detective yeah. type character yeah. in the second year it would have so, rattled on so I think we should conclude mm. um, I think the panel agrees that it was too po-faced, mm. too serious not enough humour, characters not likeable enough but it has its moments some, 
has its moments and there's some really interesting logical and scientific ways of looking at the vampire myth and some new vampire lore stuff. Yeah. And there's some clever and ideas episodes in five and six, yeah, yeah, and five and six were good. Yeah. There are some clever ideas in there. I just think yeah. it's, maybe it's reach exceeded its grasp or maybe it was just made at the wrong time or maybe yeah. it, it would have worked better two years later or two years earlier. You know, It's one of those things that is very much of its time and unfortunately... Perhaps just hasn't aged well. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the kindest way of saying it. I mean, the contemporary thriller is always a difficult thing because they do age. It's the same way that yeah. visions of the future in science fiction can look very, very cheesy very, very quickly. You know. Yeah. And uh, I suspect that the problem really with Ultraviolet is because it was popular. It was, it was, you know, in Channel Four drama. It did, it did well. You know, and mm. um, it, uh, but it didn't do well enough for anyone to want to revisit. I mean, they, they did talk about an american remake didn't they and they did make a pilot they tried to mm. they tried to yeah uh, but it failed it didn't, it didn't they said they just couldn't get it to yeah. work but then some of the you know other sort of concepts and stuff i mean i mean funnily enough the title has become terribly popular i mean there's been films you know and i think there is now a new series called ultraviolet in america which has got nothing right. to do with this but um yeah. so the title is obviously a very appealing one so it, it'll turn up again and again you know but uh, in terms of it, it's it. I think you could, you could argue it's a bit of a, a failed experiment. But you know, are we glad it was there? Well, could we live without it? You know, there are. It's yes. it's <laughs> as part of the sort of vampire, I you know, culture. It's it's an interesting take on it, and and that's always you know, it's always interesting to see a, a take on on something that's been done by other people i mean people are always yeah. looking for i mean you know we wouldn't have had sherlock if someone hadn't decided to experiment yeah. with um you know messing around with that as an idea and if nothing and if nothing else joe hearn joe hearn cutting his directing teeth on something like this to make those amazing episodes of doctor who Precisely. i'd be i'd be grateful from that yeah. point of view okay yes good so I shall see you again. No, I won't see you. I've never seen you, ever, <laughs> ever. <gasps> You're a code five. Well, it's true. I can't be transmitted down. Um, recording devices will not pick... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're okay. You're okay. So right, you'll shout at me now right if none of this is recorded. <laughs> well, that would, that would be a way to do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would it? Yes. Oh, my God. Just, just put out... There's nothing on this track. Just put out, a, put out an, a, an hour and a half of silence. <laughs> silence. Neither of our voices, well, I, I, neither of our voices I, I, could I, be picked up. I did add six minutes of silence to the Tenko episode by accident. Still don't know how that thinking happened. Thinking time. Anyway, thinking time. Hmm. Let's just think about Pause that for a moment. Yes. <laughs> okay, then, Martin. Until next time. Okay. Thank you. You take care. Okay, cheers. Bye. You have been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Next time, a very peculiar practice.
Well, you've got the big Rio conference in 92. Everyone who's green was there. 